Aloha, adventurer. How are you? This is Joshua Loya, your friendly neighborhood Jedi. And it turns out looks like uh, Tom Holland and Andrew Garfield and maybe even uh, Tobey Maguire, all, all three of them. Again, with the upcoming Spider-Man 3, this is not a Spider-Man podcast. This is Adventure Mind. It's a quick little thing. I would love it if you could please, if you are a clubhouse person, uh, search for Joshua the Jedi. That would be me. And, uh, you know, Joshua Loya, you're, you're, you know, all this stuff I said before. And I want you to go ahead and look for Adventure Mind Movement. Yes, it's not just a podcast. It's a movement of people who are interested in doing difficult and scary things intentionally and magnifying the power of story. Let's do this thing. Come talk to me. Let's have some fun and some interesting conversations. And uh, I can learn a little bit about you. All right. So uh, please do this. So go to Clubhouse, download the app, mess around in there, um, and uh, follow me, Joshua the Jedi, and uh, follow the club, Adventure Mind Movement, and uh, we can uh, have some conversations together. And uh, this week we got a cool, uh, got a cool guest. We'll go in a bunch of different uh, directions. There's uh, a lot of cool stories, um, and. Uh, Early in the episode, we have an interesting conversation about rats, and uh, but we we talk about all kinds of stuff. Um, uh, Simone uh, Canego, yes, it, 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 the K is not silent. Is uh, is, a, is a really cool person. Has a lot of depth to her personality and does some neat stuff in the world, uh, including, of course, climbing Mount Kilimanjaro and many other things. So, with all that being said, hey. Please listen and enjoy this episode. Without further ado, Simone Canego. Aloha, Warriors. Joshua Loya, a.k.a. Joshua the Jedi, the aspiring servant warrior. I have uh, with me a pretty fascinating woman who's done... Uh, a bunch of extraordinary things and specifically highlights the unordinary in uh, in her own life and other people's and uh, Simone Canego happy to have you on the show thank you I'm so excited to be here yeah thank you uh, awesome I, I was I, I I thought I knew how to pronounce your your last name and then I finally listened to a couple podcast interviews you had done like, oh got to fix that the K is not silent I got to make yeah. sure I get that right you got it you got it <laughs> <laughs> feel pretty good um, so you've done a whole bunch of things, um, and um, I, I know that you've been asked about this before, but um, at some point, uh, I do want to hear about this. T- tell me a little bit about yourself, and then I'll, I'll circle back to that question I had. So I I have done many things in my life, um, but I am now 48 years old. I am the mom of six children. We adopted our youngest three from Ethiopia and South Korea. Um, and I've done some really cool things like climb Kilimanjaro. Um, and I decided that it was important for me to write my stories down in a book. So um, I am the author of a new best-selling book called The Extraordinary Unordinary You. And I'm really big on talking about mindset. Um, I'm just an ordinary girl, but realizing that it's the ordinary part that truly makes us extraordinary because we all have really interesting things in our lives and we're all capable of so much. hundred percent agree. And it, it, it reminds me just to kind of give a, you a glimpse of some of my inspiration. I, I have been for decades, uh, a, a significant J.R.R. Tolkien fan. And one of the cool things in, in those books is the, the implication 
that sometimes it's the things that we don't think are all that big a deal that actually kind of sort of the linchpin to the larger cavalcade of, uh, you know, significant events. You know, you have these little tiny people, you know, the hobbits that, you know, you think, oh, how impactful is it carrying a ring, you know, on a walk? If you really unpack what actually happened, but it changed the entire course of their entire world. So, yeah. And I'm a... You know, it's funny that that that's how we're starting here. But I mean, I'm a really big believer that it's the little things that make the biggest impact. And it's not, you know, you don't have to be that celebrity on stage. It's the little choices that you Mm -hmm. make every day that truly impact the people around you. And I think a lot of times we fail to recognize that we struggle with that because um, we see the big things as what what we find that that we should be doing. But um, I'm really a big believer and it's the little things that that really change people, that really affect people the most. Agreed. Um, so with all that said, because uh, it, <laughs> I, I, I was putting myself in your shoes when I was listening to you tell the story. Please tell me about the rats. Ah. <laughs> I'm sure you get asked about that, but I, but when I real, when you were unpacking the story, I was listening. To, I was like, oh gosh, get me out of that thing fast. Yeah. I'm not even a those. They don't really uh, frighten me too much. But I've had uh, I I lived in a house years ago that we had a a rat stuck in our shed, and I was like, okay, that that's not like your average little tiny little you know pet rat or or bait rat you'd give to a pet snake or something. That's 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 like the RUSs from uh, from Princess Bride or something. You know? <laughs> yeah, definitely definitely a little bit more intimidating. Um, and I can't say that I am someone that would be scared of rats as well. But in this scenario, it definitely affected me in a I'm different sure way. I'm sure people will understand when they hear the details of this <laughs> Yeah. One. So um, the backstory is that I was away um, on a trip and my kids were away at summer camp. And my youngest son, um, he actually got bit by a poisonous snake at camp. And he had to be life flighted to the local children's hospital. He spent three days in the ICU. And my husband met him up there. I couldn't get to the hospital from where I was. It's probably like nightmare as a mother. Oh, You're out of the country like, and you find out, oh, yeah, by the way, your son was bit by a poisonous snake. You're like, what? That, that <laughs> phone call was, I can't even tell you. So, yeah. Um, but so basically, I ended up meeting them at the airport. We went home together. This was after he had been discharged from the hospital. Mm-hmm. And the next day, um, I, I went to take him to the physical therapist because his arm was basically locked in place because of, you know, being stuck like that. going to be a from, lot of swelling from something oh, that significant. Yeah. Absolutely. So we get in the car and we're backing up out of the garage and I look back at him. I'm, I'm like, are you buckled? He's like, I'm trying. And um, finally he's like, yeah, I'm buckled. And, and as I'm looking at him, I'm like, why is there popcorn all over the seat? I mean, I haven't driven this car in two weeks, but I know it was clean when I left the house. Sure. You're like, how bad could it get? You know? <laughs> yeah. Like, okay, we weren't here. Like, it's not like it just magically happened. So I'm backing up and I'm thinking, something's not right. I look at him again and I'm like, I stop the car. I'm like, get out of the car. And he's like, what? I'm like, get out of the car. And um, he gets out of the car and I look and it is not popcorn. It's the foam from the inside of the seats that, and there's holes in all of the seats. There's foam everywhere. There's rat shit everywhere. Yeah. Um, And I was pretty much in shock. Like, okay, the entire car... And and think about it with six children, you know, it's like a feast for rats. Oh, I'm sure right? there's all kinds of like, I don't know what it is because I don't have any children myself, but I have plenty of friends who do. 
in any kind of car like that, there's always at least a half-eaten Ziploc bag of Cheerios somewhere. Yeah, you know? and, and pieces of <laughs> Cheez-Its and goldfish like stuffed down yep, in every nook yep. and cranny. And the rat was in heaven and definitely, or the fa- family of yeah, rats. Yeah, I mean, I it could have no been idea. a whole family. You right, might have had Mrs. Frisbee and the rats of yeah. in there. You know? <laughs> I actually think so. Um, and so I ended up having to... At first, I had this positive attitude. Oh, this is, really isn't a big deal. I'll call the pest control guy. And he came out and he's like, I'll put a couple of traps, but I think you need to call your insurance company. <laughs> I was like, really? He's like, yeah. And then I start looking at him like, yeah, I should probably call the insurance company. And I called the insurance company and they said, oh, can you drive it to the, you know, to our office so we can take a look at it? And I was like, Hell no, I'm not driving Yeah, it. you don't like, know if something's like hiding underneath. <laughs> inside. You're halfway down the road and all of a sudden you get a big old rat bite in your neck or something. You yeah, know? I'm like, I can just picture it like jumping onto my head or something as I'm driving. And I'm like so grossed out like at this point. And I was like, I, I can't. Let me let me explain to you why I can't. If it jumps on me and I have an accident, that's going to yeah. be on you. And um, so they came and towed the car and the insurance adjuster took a look at it and he goes, I have to tell you, I've never seen anything like this. And he said, I I need a couple of days to figure out the costs. And he called me two days later and he's like, I can't make it work. We have to total your car. He's like, the rat chewed basically on every seat and there's no way to fix it. So um, it's the first time in my life at, you know, he's like, I've done this for 20 something years. I'm totaling a car because the rat ate your seats. <laughs> now, I, I could be uh, the, the cynical guy and say, well, it's your fault for living in Florida, but I'm sure this could happen anywhere. <laughs> well, it, it is my fault for, you know, letting kids eat in the car, I guess. But you know what? Like, <laughs> what are you going to do, though? Kids, kids got to eat. <laughs> you know, and there's days we're late for school and they got to eat. And then, you know, climbing into Absolutely. the back seat to find everything, whatever. You know, and, and I think, you know, the reason I, I, like telling that story, it's important to say that like shit happens, right? Mm-hmm. And that it's not just, you know, things aren't, you know, always. It's not always you know. your shit either. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that that was for sure this time. <laughs> um, and um, I, I think you said, at least in the, the relaying of the story that I heard, that they had like climbed through the engine block even. Yeah, like, they came in through the like, engine block. So, oh, you know, I couldn't have done anything anyways. It didn't matter. Yeah. Like they were going to find their way yep. into that feast no matter what I did. So, um, again, it is what well, it you is. you did your good deed by feeding a family of rats, I suppose. Yeah, I guess I should look at it that way. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it is how you frame it. but Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I, like, I like that because, it, you know, the th- people get this impression that, that you know, climb a mountain. I, I do absolutely want to hear with that hear that. And I love how at least in a couple of the, the interviews that I heard that you you didn't always lead with your climbing a mountain. That's a significant a significant accomplishment. Um but I, I, I am curious though and what what I, I find so cool about that is your willingness to interweave the kind of day to day mundane seemingly mundane or kind of just normal living in with your adventure experiences. And that that drives home the point that not not adventurers have real everyday moments too. Yeah, for, for sure. I mean, like, I mean, the majority of everybody's lives, right, are these everyday moments. And that's why they're so important. And so important to share, not just the, the things that like are these, you know, accomplishments, but like the daily things that we struggle with, because to understand that we are not alone, that, you know, um, Maybe I was the only, you know, van that this guy had to total because rats ate the seats. But, you know, right. still, um, you know, these are these are some of the things that happen to, you know, every day in our lives. You know, 
Well, and sometimes those little things, right? Like you, you'll have those those moments where you meet somebody or have a cool conversation just waiting in line for your latte. Like um, those are the things that stick with you. And, you know, like if, if life, I, I, I kind of decided maybe four years ago, five years ago, whenever I kind of shifted my, my trajectory is I didn't want to have, I was okay with having a difficult life, but I didn't want to have a boring life. Yeah. I mean, and, I, yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I, you know, I could, I think for a long time I went through my life saying, you know, labeling things, I'm just this, or I'm just mm-hmm. that versus, you know, really finding these pieces, these are what make me who I am. And, you know, the, the idea of the conversations waiting for a latte, like I'm a, I love to do that. Like I, um, it drives my kids crazy. They kind of, you know, laugh You're the at one me. that's always talking to random they're, people. You're like, like, why oh. are you talking to that person? They're just. Didn't you say don't talk to strangers? I'm like, <laughs> okay, I'm an adult. I can, I can do this. It's okay. Um, but I do like I, you know, I sit down on a plane and, you know, strike up a conversation. You got you got to figure it out. You got to kind of like yep. see, do they want to have a conversation? Um, but some of the most interest, interesting things I've learned about people and things that have changed the way I see things um, really have been because of conversations with people I would have never met if I if they wouldn't have or if I wouldn't have struck, struck up a conversation. And I think that's so important that the value of conversation, the value of hearing what people have to say and, and truly listening. Agreed. Um, and, and kind of to that end, I mean, I, or, and packing another part of your story, uh, is you had a pretty, by the limited research I did and you, you know, the conversations I heard, you had a pretty, uh, good start to life, pretty safe. Um, what a lot of, people might even envy in terms of an upbringing, at least the the parts that they expect that are there. You know, I had uh, parents and you had a pretty good solid education. Obviously you worked for it, but, you know, pretty safe job as a, what a master's degree in public accounting. And, and you know, you could not have to worry, you know, your, your husband's a neurosurgeon, so you, you're pretty well set. And yet you decided you wanted to have something a little different. Did you have was it a single event or sort of a culmination of things that made you kind of shift your the way you lived your life? Definitely a culmination. Actually, my husband and I were just talking about that tonight in that um, for him, how refreshing it was that I was kind of never satisfied with what I was doing in my life. Like I kind of always wanted to contribute more. I always wanted to do, do something else. And, you know... For me, looking back, it was because I struggled with um, my self worth, and and it might sound ridiculous because yes, I had a I had great parents, you know they um, they were great role models, um, but I never felt like I was doing enough. I never felt like I couldn't figure out what I was meant to be in my own mind, right. and so it was really what I wanted to be. What did I want to be, right? There's all these things, these these external pressures that tell us, well, you should be doing this or you should be doing that. Um, but is that, you know, really what I wanted to do? Well, and it's it, it sometimes too, I, you, I think you talked about this at least a couple of times. Um, and admittedly, I haven't gotten to your book yet. I know, bad, bad host. I'll get no, to it. No, it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I like the, the idea of it. And one of the things I'm, I think I remember you talking about is... Um, that that sort of need to, needing to compare yourself, like you were just talking about a little bit, looking outside of, oh, you know, I don't measure up, and and finding that appreciation for the own val- 
the value that you actually inherently have. That just because what you're doing isn't the same as somebody else, um, that doesn't mean that it doesn't have significance or or a reason to still exist and to grow and become, you know, kind of blossom, go through its own metamorphosis process and into its full form. For sure. I think that, um, and that, that was my biggest issue is that I would compare myself to other people for years. You know, I'm not doing this or, you know, I can't do that. Well, that's not really, you know, the way I look at things anymore. Um, but it took me a long time to kind of take a step back and say, you know, why does it matter? Like, why, why am I comparing myself, you know, to somebody else? Why, why do we all do this? Why do we compare mm-hmm. ourselves to other people? And we don't look at, you know, what our true value is. And so I think we, we kind of go at it, at, at it backwards. Like, I mean, now looking at myself, you know, I can realize that, you know, the, these are the things that I bring, you know, into a conversation. These are the things that I bring into a relationship. And I'm really proud, you know, of all these things that I, you know, I feel, I feel good, you know, and for a long time I, I didn't because I was always trying to be someone that I wasn't. Yeah. I, I think in that, and that go back, goes back I think we talked about this before you, you, uh, we started recording is the authenticity in your expression. The more you kind of settled into who you are and, and, and appreciate that, the more you're able to do things without, it, it kind of removes the, the block a little bit, you're able to be more authentically yourselves and you're able to actually do more. And you, yeah, maybe it's not the same thing as what other people do, but you're able to, and even if you don't actually do any more, you're able to appreciate what you're doing, I think a little bit, you know, without that reservation of feeling like you have to measure up. 100%. And I think that, you know, we, it's it's such a, I look around me and I see it in so many people that um, they're, really focused on what everybody else is doing instead of focusing on what they can do. And, and it's a hard, it's a hard thing to look at, right? Because, you know, we, you know, it's, you know, I have curly hair. Um, I wanted straight hair my whole life, you know, um, I've struggled with weight. I wanted to be, you know, so skinny my entire life. Like, okay, these are ridiculous things. Like what, you know, what do I bring? You know, what, what is my intrinsic value? Like my, and the authenticity part I think is so important that, and that's why I think it's important that we don't just talk about like all these, you know, things that we think are amazing. We talk about everything, every, all the parts of us, like the things that we struggle with, because again, then you get to a point where people realize that they're not alone in their struggles. And, and I don't think there's a bigger impact that you can make than, you know, having someone understand that they are not alone. It, it's huge. It's, it's absolutely huge. Um, you know, connectedness, especially right now, like we, we all need that <laughs> at the moment. Um, and I'm, there's a lot of aspects of you, so I'm trying to figure out where, where to go. So, uh, without short of anything else, um, can, what was the motivation behind the, the Mount Kilimanjaro thing? Um, just because, you know, that is notable for sure. Yeah. It's a good place to start. Yeah. And I think the most notable is that I'm not a climber. <laughs> um, I have gone camping a few times. Um, but again, it goes back to like, it's it's really the mindset piece, um, realizing what you're capable of and, you know, taking a step back and saying, okay, if I, you know, if I do this, what, what steps do I need to take to get to that point? And so basically, my uh, we had a friend of ours who climbed it the year before, and he asked my husband if he was interested. And again, I it's always always about per- perspective in stories. And my perspective <laughs> is, my husband said, uh, 
one, two, three, no, thank you, call Simone. Um, his perspective is, you know, that would never be something I want to do. You know, maybe Simone would be interested. Um, and so I got a phone call and I said, I would love to do it. Um, and it wasn't, it wasn't something that was a bucket list item. But when I was presented with it, I was like, you know, this is a combination of, you know, a mental and physical challenge mm-hmm. and philanthropy. I'm in. And so what was the cause, actually? I'm curious, because oh, I know there was a fundraising effort, but I don't yeah. think I caught the context there. Yeah, it was for the uh, Livestrong Foundation. Oh, that's so, right. That's right. I remember that now that, that yeah. you know. Um, and, you know, they've done a lot, of, a lot of good. I know they get, you know, connected to the Lance Armstrong thing, but he still worked his butt off. I, I think he gets a lot of unnecessary uh, shade for, for some of the his conduct. But I, I think the Livestrong Foundation, you, they've done a lot of pretty awesome stuff over the years yeah they they really they really have and you know i think one of the most interesting the most the 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 most impactful parts of that trip for me were you know i was climbing with uh people who were cancer survivors people Mm. who were who were climbing in honor of family or friends who were either had passed from cancer or were in the middle of treatment and you know we were really all there for the same reasons, um, overall, cool. obviously different different pieces. Sure, Every, but... everybody's story is different, but there was a a common thread of appreciation. You know, it's always helpful when you do something difficult to have that. When we're talking about the connect, importance of connection with other human beings, you know, the, the being able to have that uh, common effort probably made it much more personally powerful for you. I'm sure than if you had just gone, oh, just to go. Totally. It, it really, you know, to to kind of have that that thread between us, that, you know, common bond, the reason that we were there. And and it kind of made us stronger as a team just from the beginning. It really was, you know, a piece like, OK, we are here for this reason. And and then figuring out, OK, how are we how are we going to tackle this? Uh, Sixteen strangers. How are we moving forward with this? And again, a really big piece of um, an exercise in leadership of, you know, forget just doing a team meeting with 16 mm-hmm. people, but uh, climbing climbing a mountain with uh, 16 people that you don't know how they react to different situations. And, sure. And stress and like altitude sickness and fatigue and cold and... Yeah. And I'm a Florida girl, so... Um, <laughs> you like the, your heat, right? Yeah, I like my heat. Uh, actually, uh, the, the cold was... The cold to me was actually you know, invigorating, except for at night when you had to go to the bathroom. And that was like a really yeah. tough thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Getting motivated to get out of the tent and you're like, oh, <laughs> why is this happening to me again? <laughs> yeah, I've been camping, but never camping in like snow. I don't know how cold it gets once you get closer to the peak there, but um, camping when it's cold and that in the middle of the night need to, to slip out is, is not a fun one. Yeah. And getting your and getting your hiking boots out on and yep. trying not to having to worry the... about snakes or or uh, <laughs> or uh, you know venomous bugs or anything on top yes. of that. Yeah, I was. I was. Was that just, a concern out there too? Was was there much know, in the way of that? I don't. I honestly don't know the answer to that question. I think that there are definitely things out there, um, but we we were really just you know so focused on the cold. Like the first campsite definitely was buggy. Um, I'm sure right. there were. 
you know, things well, you watching us. you do live us. in Florida where there are flying cockroaches, so <laughs> yeah. bugs don't oh. bother you probably as much as the rest of us. I don't know. No, uh, that, that kind of stuff definitely doesn't bother me. But, uh, you know, who knows? In the middle of the night, what was watching me when I went to the bathroom? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but I made it. <laughs> what was that, that mountaintop when you finally made it all the way to the top? I've, I've heard, talked to a couple of people who've been up there, and it's pretty breathtaking as far as they described it. Yeah. Um, so a really, so a couple of really interesting pieces to the summit. So when we first arrived and there's actually three summits. And so, um, when we got to the first summit, it was right at sunrise and mm. I took out my phone <clears throat> to take a picture and I actually had cell service which oh, is crazy, wow. right? <laughs> and so I was actually able to call home to my family and my kids were cheering and it was like, <laughs> it was such an, and they're like, how is this even possible? I'm like, I don't know, just take the call. <laughs> yeah, You know, um, but that was really an amazing moment. But, you know, I think getting to, you know, the actual summit at, you know, it's over 19,000 feet yeah. and standing there with the entire team and, looking around and seeing the ice and snow and the, you know, looking back down the trail um, and thinking, I did this, you know, we all did this, like nothing more, nothing more powerful for me. And especially, I mean, I was 42 years old and, you know, had six kids at home. So sure. um, I really felt like, okay, this, this is the, this is the thing in life. Like, you set your mind to something and you work through it. And I don't have to be a climber to do these things. I don't have to like, I, I don't have to label myself and restrict myself mm -hmm. because, you know, this isn't what it is expected of me. What do I expect of myself? What do yeah. I want for myself? Um, so that was a really, for me, it was a really powerful moment. How much of an impact, or I, I guess it probably did, what kind of impact did that have on, um, I guess the influence that you had in with your children and, you know, any efforts they might have, have taken and your encouragement or concern for adventures they might want to take. So, uh, my second oldest daughter was like, okay, mom's a badass. <laughs> the other that's ones were like, <laughs> pretty, that's gotta feel pretty good though. Right. Yeah. And that was, that was a good one. The other ones were like, eh, well, yeah, she did it. That was pretty cool. Um, but I really think what, what it meant for them is that idea. And this is, I think this is also really important to talk about is that a lot of times we feel, um, and this was a comment that someone else had made to me, like as, as moms, as parents, we always feel like that you have to be selfless, but mm. there's such an important piece of being a little selfish sometimes and not mm -hmm. selfish in a negative way, but selfish in a positive way that you have to care for yourself. You have to do things to kind of expand, you know, your normal routine or however you want to look at it because, you know, what a better lesson, you know, what an amazing lesson for my kids to see that, hey, like, yeah, no, she's not a mountain climber, but this is this is what she did because this is what she wanted to do. And I do think it has impacted them and kind of changed <clears throat> a lot of the, the things that they do moving forward um, in terms of how they're decision making. It's not, I can't do that. It's like, I want to do that and, and I'm going to do that. Yeah, it, it it kind of when people kind of dismiss their goals or, or interests, it probably has at least 
a muted effect because they're like, yeah, people didn't think my mom could do that either. And she did it, you know, it's like, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, for sure. Like, I, you know, and, you know, I've had people say to me, did you ever doubt that you were going to make it to the summit? And I was like, I never even took my mind in that direction. Like I, you know, I worked really hard for this. I committed myself to this mm-hmm. and it wasn't part of my thought process. It was like when I'm on the summit, not if I make it to the summit. And, you know, and that's kind of really how I approach you know, everything I I do now that it's really about, you know, this is what I want to do. And when I get there um, and not if I get there. Right. I I think that's that belief that you could. I mean, you know, it's it's so funny. Some of these these sayings that you see in like personal growth literature and stuff, it's a little corny, but some of them are true. Right. It's whether you believe you can or you can't. You're right. You know, if you it, it obviously does require effort. It's not like it's just going to magically come. I know people like to manifest things all the time, but, but, but when you finally get right down to it, the part of that that's really true is that in order to succeed, you must believe it's possible. And it it is, it is true. I mean, like I really, I I feel that way in, in so many things that, you know, I do in my life and whether it sounds corny or not, like, you know, if you don't believe in yourself, how do you move forward? Right? Like that's, that's kind of like the first step of, of going towards your goals. I agree. And, and you, you touched on something that I thought was really cool um, that I've been a big believer in for a long time. And coming to this awareness was, was really key for me um, in terms of having an appreciation that I could do stuff. So I, I have a, uh, a minister friend who talked about the, you know, what's the, what's the thing people always say that's relatively universal across multiple religions is that idea of, loving others as you love yourself or some mm-hmm. version of it, right? Yep. And he he talked about that concept being both um, prescriptive and descriptive. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he in his capacity as a, as a minister, he had somebody come to him and 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 he had to say, "Well, thank you for for uh, not following that." Because this this person, interestingly enough, was a, a wife and a mother who did everything for her kids, for her husband, and took no time for herself. And she was off the charts with like severe uh, depression. She was frazzled because she wasn't doing anything to fill herself. And one of the things that um, I, I think is really important is the importance of loving yourself so that you have the capacity to love other people. You know, it, it, they say, and you know, again, it's one of those cliches they use in personal growth literature all the time, but it's true that, you know, what they say when you go flying, Right when you know, if the 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 masks come down, whose mouth do you put it on first? You put it on yourself, so that you can actually help somebody. Because you're not if you put it on somebody else's mask and then you pass out. Well, there's not a whole lot you can do. But it, it's it's you talk about maybe it's a little selfish. I think it's if you take time to love yourself, then your capacity to actually do things for others increases much more so than if you try to just be that selfless person. Yeah, I I think that. Um, as a parent that I am a better parent when I do stuff for myself as well. And maybe that sounds backwards. I don't know. But I, I do feel like it's it's really important to, you know, take some time for yourself. And, you know, again, I, I look at my children with, with six children, like eventually they're all going to be out of the house, right? And so then sure. what? Like where, where am I going to be if I'm not doing stuff for myself along the way? If I'm not 
growing as a human, when they leave, what am I going to do? And so I think that it's powerful for them to see that along the way, I'm still doing stuff for myself. I think it's really important. Well, and I think those types of things too. So, you know, I, I, I talk a little bit of my own mental health journey and things like that. One of the reasons that I do, you know, all the adventuring things that I do is to have those high points, to have those, those moments of full living. You know, when, I mean, if you think about it, this last year has been absolutely nuts. I don't care what your politics are. I don't care, you know, whether you've been sick, whether you've just been worried about getting sick, whether you have family, you know, most of us have been affected on a significant level by the last year or so on a pretty, you know, it's not a normal year. Right. And, and so having those, those high points, those, those stories that we can reflect on, you know, that, oftentimes gives us the strength to persevere so that we can be there for the people who are struggling even more so than we are. Yeah, I think, and, and it has been such um, such a tough year and then some, um, but actually my daughter mess- messaged me today. She goes to school up in New York City and she was like, it was exactly a year ago today that we were looking at this school. And I was like, how is that possible? Like how much things have changed wow. um, between then and now. <clears throat> and what's interesting is that she she actually was diagnosed with Crohn's. Uh, the, oh, that's a not a f- – I've had a few friends over the years yeah. that have had that. So she was diagnosed um, a year ago in November. And so like that whole piece too, like that – so between being immunosuppressed and then – worrying about the virus on top of that. Like there's been so many things that, you know, you know, our lives have been kind of stuck in these moments of, you know, okay, okay, what, what do we do next? Um, But that's why this year for me, it's really been about those, those little things because Mm -hmm. I I haven't had the big pieces, right. I haven't had those big challenges that, that I, um, like to take on. I guess I wrote a I book. Think keeping so. your well, that's a significant <laughs> one, you know. Yeah. But I'd, I'd say keeping your sanity in the course of the last year is is enough of an achievement. You know? Yeah, like, yeah. But I mean, so you yeah. had time to kind of collect your thoughts, and so you decided to write a book with it, and that that's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, that was a. I was like, okay, this is, and you know, it's the same kind of process in terms of I said I was going to do this, and my family said. Okay, really? <laughs> um, and actually, um, my my youngest daughter said, because I, you know, I kind of gave them the, the ideas that I had for the book, and my youngest daughter said, "Well, can you not write about me?" And I'm like, "Okay, so I'm going to write a- about my five favorite children and not you." <laughs> I was like, "No, that's not going to happen." I was like, "All of these stories are important." you know, to the fabric of our family and to really showing kind of, you know, the things that, you know, we've gone through and and hopefully inspiring other people to realize that, you know, what they're capable of. Um, and so, so this, this year, other than writing the book has really been f- focused on these, these little, these little moments, like really reaching out to other people and checking on other people and, and really kind of, um, you know, taking time to to take a step back and say, you know, what's truly what's truly important. That's that's really cool that you because again, um, it, it was I, I, going through it myself. There were periods where I struggled, and you know, thankfully, you know, we, we started this podcast pretty early on into all this, and so that that allowed us to. It, it gave me a little bit more of a focus, um, but creating for for you taking that, you know, because. A lot of people could just kind of shut down and there's plenty of stuff to do. Just watch stuff, try to keep your sanity, you know, and, and, um, 
pack on a couple extra pounds or whatever. You know, I, I, yep. I get why people do that. And the fact that you decided to, instead of letting your circumstances that you could not control define you, you decided to live life, you know, more on more purposely. And I think that that is really kind of I think the distinction. Um, you know, I'm a big big nerd. I love superhero movies and you know Marvel, DC, both and and you know it's. Um, I think it was in in some of the the Chris Nolan Batman's or something. It's not the, you know, what has happened to you that defines you. It's what you, how you respond to it. Mm-hmm. So so you can have an amazing uh, setup for a phenomenal life. You know, good parents, everything else. But if you don't do anything with it, or if, you know, or if you don't, it, it's not. That's not what makes you have a good life. It's the choices you make with what you have. Yeah, and and again for me like my first my first piece of that is really acknowledging that how um you know looking back how fortunate I am how they they really did um love my sister and I and how great care they took of us and really how they set us up to kind of see the world in a way that it was important to make choices that would positively impact other people. Um, and, you you know, as an adult, you make your choices. You can choose yep. to go left. You can choose to go right, you know, and and you figure out from there, like, what works for you. And for me, it was really important to kind of take take move forward with what they, you know, kind of showed us and say that this is really important to to really reach out to other people, really care for other people, really, you know, do our best to uh, make the world a better place, our little corner of the world, not impacting the entire world, but my little corner, I can, I can do the best I can there. You you sure can. And, and, you know, the, you know, a lot of people I get might adopt if they only have, if they don't have any children, right? And then you already had three children, to begin with. And that's a lot of responsibility in and of itself. I know some people, they stop at two. They're like, nope, we're good. <laughs> um, and not only do you have three, but you added, um, you brought in uh, three additional children to give them a home. And they're that sort of giving attitude probably uh, played a part in there, I suspect. Um, what Can you unpack a little bit of, of maybe your impulse behind adopting children from other countries specifically? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, um, you know, I, I think a lot of people have said to us that, wow, um, your kids are so lucky and we, we don't ever see it that way. We really see Mm -hmm. it as that, you know, our youngest three kids, you know, lost everything before, um, they came into our family and our job is to do the best we can, right. To, to try to build them up, not to replace, because that's not my job is to replace someone, but to, to really do the best I can and, and really make them understand that um, how much I love them and how, you know, important they are in our, in our family and that all of the, uh, all of our kids are the same, but we, you know, we did, you know, go through that process of, you know, we had three kids and we said, you know, it's kind of now or never. And do we want to do this? And, you know, we said we want to do this. And it was important for our whole family to discuss it. Um, and it's so funny even be- the, the older siblings that were your biological children had input. Yeah. And, wow. and it's- that's really cool that you, you included them in the process. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I actually, it's funny, I didn't think about it until someone asked me the question, like, well, would you have included them if you were going to have another baby? And I was like, no, I wouldn't have. I never included them in those decisions. Right. Um, but yeah, so I never thought about it like that. But, you know, I think it's, you know, when 
Noah came home. Noah was, was four months old. He's okay. from South Korea. So he was a baby. Um, and he completely turned our world upside down. <laughs> he um, he is, he cried 16 out of the 18 hours on our flight from Seoul to Chicago. Oh, gosh. Yeah. That must he, have been rough. He is, um, he. They're like, what are those, what are those Americans <laughs> doing with that South Korean baby? Uh, they. <laughs> Do you, was that kind of nervousness, like people looking at you kind of a thing? Well, I stood in the galley on the airplane and um, people kept on pulling the uh, curtain back. And I was like, I'm doing the best I can. You know, like I'm trying and I'm sure. thinking, OK, like seriously, woman, you have three kids at home and you can't quiet a baby. Like, what are you doing wrong? <laughs> well, personality of every child's different. From uh, what yes. Gathered, so. Yes. Completely different. And, you know, he Noah is now almost 15 um, oh, so has, a lot has happened since then. Yeah, clearly. yeah. Um, but he, you know, he, and he's amazing. He's an amazing kid. He's sweet and loving, but he is, um, he has ADHD. Um, he's on the autism spectrum and he has made our lives so much richer and so much better because we have this completely different, different understanding mm-hmm. um, than we would have had, you know, if we didn't go through, go, you know, adopt him. Um and then we said, okay, you know, life isn't chaotic enough. Let's let's do this again. And um, and that's we adopted Ari from Ethiopia, and he was actually four and a half years old. Okay, wow. So he had some history prior, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was again a different, you know, you know, kind of a whole different ball game um, because he did have memories at that age, and he had a lot of experiences. But kind of seeing the world through his, you know, how, how he saw the world, like um, running water, uh, electricity, I swear. Oh, when so he, he grew up in a, a much more kind of underserved uh, living situation then? Yeah, he grew up in a mud hut, uh, no electricity, oh, no running water. Wow. Um, and he, his uh, birth mother had passed away. And oh, so gosh. he had um, five other siblings. But, you know, when you talk about... Um, starving you know they they truly did not have enough food to feed everyone and so they had to make probably i I can't imagine that decision right like it had to have been rough you know it's it's such i i can't again i can't imagine having to make that decision yeah yeah um but he is now 16 years old he actually just had acl surgery two weeks ago acl repair and meniscus repair from basketball uh but he you know is- <laughs> I, I do save things like martial arts and surfing basketball like I, ha- I have a brother-in-law who's who's rolled his ankle like at least three times playing basketball i'm like yeah i'm yeah. like okay it's a fun sport for sure i'm not no no disrespect to people who who are who enjoy the time on the court but yeah he 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 loves basketball he also loves lacrosse and this is like a nine month recovery so um Oof. we're on week two <laughs> but he's got such a good attitude and he, he's just he's such a he's such a good human too like he just um you know he's he's ex- he's he's exactly where he he's meant to be like he he, he went through so much um yeah but we truly believe that yeah, that's a powerful know. story just in and of itself for his i mean you, you know depending on what he does with his life that's that's pretty that yeah the the, the yeah. contrast being able to have that perspective has got to be interesting for him i'm sure yeah um and he also he um he has severe dyslexia so um you know f- Obviously, here he um, we're able to get him like you know support services and Absolutely. you know help with education and 
um, you know, I don't, I don't know what, you know, again, I can't look back and say what his life would have been like, you know. Sure. Um, but there are resources available to him here that he would not have had in such a, um, a difficult, uh, or I guess less materially rich. I don't know. I'm yeah. trying to figure out the good way to describe yeah. it. It doesn't disparage how he started, but he has things available to him here that he would not have in Ethiopia the way yeah. he was living. I mean, it's that, you know, yes. I mean, like, again, acknowledging that he, you know, lost everything before, you know, losing his entire family at four and a half years old, yeah. you know, and and having to completely start over and say, okay, now this is my mom. Um, but he has really embraced everything and he really is, you know, he works so hard in school and he loves sports and he's just such a good kid. That, that's uh, awesome. Yeah. And then we went back one more time. We were actually, when we were in <laughs> Ethiopia, when we were at the orphanage, we knew we would come back because there's just so many amazing kids there just waiting for a family to love them. And we had our older girls with us when we brought Ari home and they did not want to leave the orphanage they had. Wow. They were holding the toddlers and babies and they cried when we left. And um, so we knew we would come back again. And we actually had requested to adopt an older boy again. And surprise, uh, we were matched with Millie, who was two and a half years old at the time. And she is... Um, we say that like that she completes our family. She just is. She lights up any room she walks into. She just is. That's cool. Yeah, she's really. She's she's a spitfire and and she's thirteen now and she's amazing. <laughs> uh, she's, well, and you know, she's thirteen. She's kind of hitting her stride of individual expression of things, right? Oh yeah, she's got a lot of individualized expressions. Let me tell you. <laughs> 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 it, it, it's always fascinating for me talking to people, and I, I always feel a little bit out of turn because, as I mentioned, I don't have any children of my own, but I do teach martial arts to children. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I always get the credit, oh, you're such a good, you, you know, you, you'd make a, such a great dad. I'm like, well, the, the, the trick is, is they come to my you know, my training space for a couple of hours at a time and then they get to go home. You know, like, you know, <laughs> that's so. what I said. That's what I said about like, okay, later in life, not anytime soon, but later in life becoming a grandparent. And that's, you know, I look at, I look at my, my mom and, you know, like you'd bring the, you'd bring the kids over to her and she can like fill them full of sugar or whatever she wants to do. And then she'd say, okay, it's time to go home. <laughs> well, my, 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 my Oma, she, my, my grandmother, she was born in Germany. So, yeah. you know, I call her that, but. I had an Oma she, too. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, she used to, I basically, I, my parents were pretty hippie oriented, so I, I barely had any candy or anything until I was like three or four, except mm -mm. that my, my grandmother would always sneak me chocolate when I was a little kid. So, like, <laughs> so my mom would, you know, p uh, pick me up and, you know, they didn't live in the same town where my parents lived, but, you know. She doesn't want, why is it why is Joshua so spastic whenever I get him, pick him up from his grandmother's house? Like, oh, there's a reason. It's <laughs> amazing. Yeah. Yeah, that's what, uh, you know, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I get it. Like, you know, there's no, um, yes, I can walk into the other room and close the door, <laughs> but my kids are still here, you know, like, yep. I, you know, you still yep. gotta, you, you kind of gotta be on, but it's, uh, for me, it's worth every, every second of it. And it has been, it has added so much to our lives and the chaos of, of six children. I think that it is, um, you know, I just see that I, I see things differently now with six kids. I really do. Like my my level of patience is is different. My understanding of all dif different kinds of, of kids, you know, and really appreciating the value in in each person. I mean, that really has opened up my eyes to a completely different world. So now I know nothing about um, Florida geography really at all. So where does 
it's so funny. I was a, I was good at that in school, and then it ever, <laughs> you know, it, uh, you know, I graduated in 1998. So I have I have it's been a while, and you know, obviously, you know, I had some college classes and things. But um, whereabouts? You're in Sarasota, I think, right? Yeah, we're in Sarasota. It's on the okay. west west coast of Florida, on the Gulf of Mexico. Okay, and we're like. It's called South Florida, but it's like uh, we're like an hour south of Tampa, if that helps at all. So, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's so, beautiful you're, here. You're, you're you're on the side of uh, of Florida that I'll, I'd probably visit, but last I I checked, there weren't much in the way of of waves in uh, yeah. I was going to say Florida so you, much. you wouldn't be really surfing here, but no. <laughs> unless there's a hurricane. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and that's it's funny you say that because you were pretty significantly affected by. The, we had a couple of hurricanes that came through like a year or two ago with Harvey and everything else. I know Harvey affected Texas, but some of that same storm activity affected Florida a little. Yeah, our area, we've been really fortunate um, to not have been hit too hard by anything. But so much of the state has had you know devastating effects from, from these storms. Um, but... Yeah. So for, for us, um, you know, we've, we've had to evacuate and those kinds of things, but fortunately we've come home to, you know, most things being intact. It's always a plus, right? When you come home and you're, you're, you know, the (laughs) worst thing that, you know, you're like, well, after the rats, you know, I'm I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, there's lots of stories like that, but yes, uh, you know, we feel free if any, any that come to mind, actually, just since you mentioned it. I have a really funny story about my my daughter, if 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 that's yeah, okay. Yeah, <laughs> go for it. Yeah, please. In it, fair game. Yeah. So we were um, we went to Italy for uh, my best friend's wedding, and we brought the. This was back when we had three kids, and so okay. we brought the three kids with us. And Olivia had been really um, sick, and so she was in the hospital, and you know she had a virus. Oh, that's gotta she be got to be strange to be in. Well, this was before. Before oh, okay. we got so, there. so she was not in, the, no, in, in a hospital no. in Italy. Okay, because that would have been yeah. kind of okay. Gotcha. I have another story like that too, but <laughs> um, yeah, good, by all yes. means. Yeah, but we um, <clears throat> we got uh, so she got discharged, and we left that night for Italy, and um, you know, so she definitely wasn't feeling great for a lot of the the trip. But she was, L- yeah, she was multi- a multiple hour flight. Yeah. just after fresh out of the hospital can yeah. have not have been a fun. Yeah, experience. She, she was she was a trooper, but so there was one day during the. Uh, during our time at the place that we were staying that our, you know, my friend set up a wine tasting and, you know, obviously with three kids, like, okay, one person, one parent goes to the wine tasting, one parent takes the kids. And my husband's like, oh, I'll take the kids. It's fine. I'm like, oh, good. Cause I like wine. So I'm going to go to the <laughs> wine tasting. <laughs> and so he decided to take the kids into San Gimignano, the, the, into the, the city that was near where we were staying they get there and of course as soon as they get there Olivia has to go to the bathroom and so they they actually went with my best friend's dad so he him my husband and the three kids and so they get to the bathroom area and they didn't really realize how it worked um she's standing there and she's like I have to go I have to go so the door opens a woman walks out and it's an electric door Olivia runs in and at that point is when they realize that wait you can't just run into the bathroom. The door closes. The wash system goes on. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. She got a complete wash. <laughs> so she's in there screaming. They can't open the door. They can't do anything. Oh, um, so the way it's supposed to work is you put your coin in. The door opens. You go to the bathroom. You come out. The door closes. 
goes through a wash cycle and then it's ready for the next person. So that's, you know, that's probably not a bad way to implement things here after post coronavirus yeah. stuff. You, know? you just have to warn people that <laughs> that's how it works. So um, she got she got the full wash down and uh, <laughs> traumatized. Oh, she actually gosh. wrote one of her college essays about it because it still is still like so in her <laughs> mind. <laughs> I, I, I would have. Wow. Yeah. I don't yeah. think I'd enjoy that. Yeah. And so um, they, <laughs> and the, my favorite part of the story is that they get home. So, okay, they get her all cleaned up and they, you know, oh, walk around and they get back to the house for the night. And um, the whole day, I guess she was complaining about her feet hurting. And my husband's like, just suck it up. You're fine. Like, we're not walking that far. So they get back to the villa and my, my friend's uh, father looks down and says, hey, Rob, she had her shoes on her on the wrong feet the entire day. Oh jeez. <laughs> okay, so like okay, we are all human, right? Like Absolutely. shit happens. Like this Absolutely. is this is what happens. Like you try Somet- your sometimes best. shit happens and then yeah. you get sprayed with the remnants of it cuz you're inside the <laughs> wash toilet. Yeah. yeah, so that was uh that's probably one of my my uh Wow. Favorite stories of, you know, ridiculousness that that kind of happens. Sounds like she's adjusted accordingly. She's able to write about it for a college essay. So Yeah, I was like, what a great story. I mean, like, you know, that's perfect for <laughs> perfect for a college essay. So Absolutely. Um you said there was another one though about being in the uh, hospital in Italy or, so or another we foreign actually, country. Yeah, this was this was a this was a hard one that we um when we got there, actually it was the same it was the same trip. We um the first night we were there, we wanted to keep the kids up. And again, we were really focused on Olivia because <clears throat> since she had been sick, like it was like, okay, is she okay? Is she okay? Um, and, you know, I don't know. On the plane, Jacob could have had like 16 Cokes and watched, you know, seven movies. He may not have slept. I don't know. I honestly, right, I'll right. be honest. I wasn't. I was focused on getting her through the plane ride. Sure. And so we... we um, we're so in, same trip then. Even. Yeah, it's the same trip. It's the beginning of the trip, and so we're oh, we walk. We're walking. I was like, oh, this Italy's not the place for me. <laughs> but we're walking around, and um, we go back to the hotel. You know, we haven't slept. We go back to the hotel by five p.m. We're in bed, and in the middle of the night, all of a sudden, and I'm thinking, okay, the kids are messing around. Like I start to hear noises, and I'm like, guys, you have to go back to bed. And I look, and our oldest Jacob is having a seizure. Oh, and yes. has he ever had? N- never, never. So for, first symptom of any kind of epileptic anything is, oh shit. Yeah, yeah. So he had a, um, so he had a seizure. And again, fortunately, my husband like had complete control of the situation. Well, it does help that I your was, husband's a neurosurgeon. Yeah, I mean, that, I, that professionally speaking too. Yeah, I was um, about to lose my mind because I was like, you know, I just want to go home. Um, and so they actually went to a local after you know, he kind of came back. They went mm-hmm. to a local clinic just to get some vitals and kind of see if he was, yeah. you know, you know, what do we do? Do we ho- go home? Do we not? And we actually got the advice of that. You're actually allowed like three free seizures in your life, which sounds kind of ridiculous, but you can have a seizure that isn't related to um, anything else that it could have been that whether it was post a fever or something where he hadn't slept and too much caffeine or who knows. Sure. Um, so, <laughs> Uh, my husband takes him to a clinic and he's trying to explain that he's a neurosurgeon. They're like, no, you don't need a neurosurgeon. And he's like, no, I am a neurosurgeon. It, it didn't it didn't go very well. Oh, oh, the, tran- oh yeah, the translation. The translation, yeah. the translation at the clinic. And so finally he's like, okay, his vitals look fine. We're going to come back to the hotel. They told me to walk to um, this 
this piazza, this square, and I'll be able to find a taxi. It's like three o'clock in the morning now. And he's like, and I need you to direct me. Okay, that's like taking me on the amazing race and telling me I'm going to be the one not driving the vehicle, but I'm directing you in the vehicle. That doesn't work really well for me, (laughs) like telling someone directions. Do either of you speak Italian? No, no. So that's why. Oh, gosh. No. So like I'm explaining to him where to go. and, And fortunately, like I had one moment of clarity where I'm like, this is where you turn left and that square is going to be right ahead of you. And so he gets there and there's like literally one taxi <laughs> waiting in this square and he was able to get in the taxi. They brought them back to the hotel and uh, I didn't sleep for probably three days because I just kept watching him constantly. Sure. Like, and I would wake him up like every couple hours. He's like, stop waking me up. I am fine. <laughs> um, but he did fine and he never had another seizure after that. But that was like another one of our, uh, uh, you know. Yeah crazy experiences uh during travel wow wow well shoot (laughs) i don't really have a response so much to that one because that's it's not one i would have expected but you know yeah that was a that was a crazy one but you know again we have stuff happen you know all the time and we you know it's kind of like and and everybody does right everybody has things happen it's a lot of how you respond to it though isn't it yeah and so at that moment i was totally freaking out i was i mean i'll admit it where where my husband in that moment was you know, totally cool, calm, collected, because this is what he does, right? That, right? But what's funny is that if the kids have a different kind of injury, like, for example, there's blood, he has a complete freak out. <laughs> well, what about when you like when your son uh, hurt his uh, head ACL surgery? Had That little... wasn't as big of a deal. But I, mean, right. I hate to say it like that, but we were both kind of like, okay, like, you know, that happens, here's right? what we it, have to do. Yeah. Um, he had a, he had an, you know, Ari tends to, um, again, he overdoes stuff. So he had one injury where he fell off of a seawall into an oyster bed and cut his, had an oyster shell embedded in his foot. And there was, oh yeah, (laughs) he had to go to surgery. They had to get the oyster shell out. And, um, you know, that was a, uh, that was definitely a, a a kind of freak out for, for everyone. Cause we're like, yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, there is so much blood. <laughs> like, how is this possible? Um, but he recovered from that too. So, you know, but we uh, were like, you're going to be, because Ari was definitely in shock saying, I'm going to lose my foot. I'm going to lose my foot. I'm like, you're sure. not going to lose your foot. Take a breath, take a step back. We're going to take you to the hospital. It'll be okay. Um, and, he, and he was, I mean, he had to, the crazy thing about that one, because he cut tendons in his foot, he um, had to be they, in a cast. Uh, were they able to repair the tendons? They weren't able to repair the tendons um, because they were like mush, but he, he, he totally healed. At first, he couldn't move um, the outer three toes. They, he couldn't move them at all. Yeah. Um, so that's they casted him hoping. First, they obviously, they went and cleaned it out because it's an oyster shell and, you know. Right. You don't can, want to get like any kind of infection or. Yeah. So they, um, but they casted him hoping to keep the foot in place, hoping that it would heal. And it did. It, he completely got, you know, wow. the, the feeling and the movement back in those toes. But they had to take the cast off every week. Um, to check for infection because of the oyster. So yeah. um, for six weeks, it was like every week we'd come in, they'd remove the cast, they'd check it, they'd put a new cast on. Um, this kid, <laughs> he like, sounds like he's a, he's a tough kid though. Like oh, when he, he makes it through, you know. So. Yeah, he is a tough kid, and that's why when we talk about you know the ACL right now, he's like, I got this. I'm I'm okay, you know. So, <laughs> <laughs> so um, do you do any like purposeful adventuring things? As a family, or is that mostly, are you more the adventure one of the eight-person crew? Um, we we haven't done it com- uh, as an entire family. Uh, the 
summer before last when travel was still possible, mm -hmm. my husband and I and our oldest son um, hiked the Inca Trail. Oh, that sounds really cool. Yeah, that was a really that was a really fun one. I would highly recommend. Um, but I have to tell you that it kind of kicked my ass because I wasn't prepared for how um, how grueling it would be. You know, you're sure. going up and so, down. So you and recommend up and really down. training before yeah. you do something. Like, so yes. for, for my part, if I ever want to do it, make sure I'm I'm in uh, hiking and and uh, orienteering shape. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Because I mean noted. Yes. <laughs> Because if you look at, you know, the the different companies that kind of advertise that, oh, you're good, you're fine, just come. <laughs> and you're like, Well, oh. they have a vested interest in right. you booking right. a trip with them. And it was actually, um, we we weren't, actually, we had scheduled the trip and then we weren't planning on going because my dad was very sick and he had actually, mm. he passed away um, a month and a half before the trip. And my mom said, you have to go. Like you have to go. Like he yeah. would be, he would be disappointed if you didn't go. So it's, was it in some respects a purposeful tribute to him when you went or? Yeah, for sure. I mean, for me, it was really, and, and that's why, again, it was a challenge because I was not in shape for it. Um, but it was kind of like, I'm, I'm going to complete it um, because, you know, I was thinking about him the the entire time and that he was like and he did say before, you know, he passed away that you have to go and my mom was like you have to go. Okay, like, so he was aware that he might not make it through yeah. before your trip. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So which is always uh, you know, um that was a really it was a really tough time, um but honestly that that hike was kind of like a moment of, you know, standing, you know, at Machu Picchu, like seeing this yeah. again, same kind of thing that this accomplishment, um, even though, you know, I wasn't as prepared as, as I should have been to tackle something like this, but I, I definitely kind of made my way through it and finished. And again, looking back thinking this was a really, this was a really important moment for me, um, really taking it on even when I wasn't ready really ready for it but mentally it was completely the right thing to do because it kind of you know led me down a different path moving forward so well see that's at least four continents you've been to have you <laughs> had any uh trips to australia or uh or any of the far east uh so i have not been to australia um it is definitely it's funny because my daughter who is uh 18 she the only place um, she has one continent left. You can guess what it is. Um, so right. it's a, it's a, you know, it's like the battle and I still, I haven't been to Australia yet. So I'm like, okay, so I have two left and I have a feeling she'll beat me. <laughs> she loves to travel too. So. Well, that's cool. Hey, you know, set the powerful positive example, then they'll, yeah. they'll, uh, um, so, and you've done some, some harrowing, uh, physical things to, besides, I mean, you, I think you, uh, I was reading you ran at least one marathon, right? Yeah, I had, um, I actually had knee surgery. I don't even know how many years ago now it all kind of runs together, but, um, I was doing triathlons at the time and I basically had it in my mind that I just needed to get my knee cleaned out. Like I had some, like, um, I had synovitis, so they just were going to go in and clean out the knee. And then of course I got a complication and <clears throat> it was in a straight brace for nine months. And, you know, that kind of never, um, went the way I thought it was going to. So yeah, that, it's, it's a long rehab process after yeah, that, I'm sure. Yeah, and so um, even after the knee, I said I, I want to do um, a marathon even if I have to 
even if I have to walk it, <laughs> I, I walked it. Um, it was the longest walk ever. Um, sure. But again, one of those kinds of things where I got to the end and said, okay, I'm so glad I did this because now I know like, again, I'm capable of this. Like, don't, don't stop myself. Like, don't say, I can't do this. I want to do this. So therefore I'm going to do this. Yeah. I, I think um, sometimes it, it, it's funny too, because I've, I've, um, been doing the surfing thing for a little while and sometimes it's it's not a matter of whether or not I I do ridiculously well it's just a matter of get a, getting out there and actually challenging myself and experiencing the the reward of doing something that was hard I'm a big believer in doing difficult and scary things on purpose right there's that um uh, often thing it's a it's a theme in in Jewish scripture at least that I've read you know there's a lot of overlap um, in my background. And what's the exhortation for people to be strong and courageous? Well, you don't get strong by not doing anything difficult and you don't encourage. There's That's not just not being afraid. That's about doing things that are scary. So I might be projecting my own spin on it as far as the, the concept of that strength and courage thing. But I think there's some real solid value in doing things that you're not necessarily good at but they're adversity of your own choosing. So then it kind of makes that adversity that's not of your choosing a little bit easier to, to weather. Like your, your, I don't know, metaphor of like an adversity muscle, your ability to, to stay calm in the face of, of, of a challenge. Yeah. And I think that, um, you know, really looking at, you know, challenges like that in that I'm not competing against anyone else. You know, I'm not even thinking about it in that realm. I'm competing against myself. I'm, you know, kind of showing myself what I'm capable of. And, you know, if I, I mean, maybe if I was competitive and in a sport, you know, I used to, you know, ride just dressage. And so like, oh, obviously when see, I- Oh, that's another layer yeah. of, of, of your background, see? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, there's lots of layers. Uh, um, yeah, I used to ride dressage. Actually, when the youngest three were little, I would bring them to the barn with me and put them in a playpen while I rode and- uh, you know, when I would finish, I'd, you know, they, they got so used to everything because I would mm -hmm. drag them around everywhere. Um, <laughs> but I did, I loved, I love that. And then after my knee surgery, I just couldn't, couldn't do the riding anymore. And even like the things like Kilimanjaro, like coming down the mountain, my knee was so swollen, you know, Inca trail, I was like, you know, hobbling by the end, but you know, I wasn't going to give up. I was going to keep sure. going through. Sure. Um, uh, you talked about some other adventures that you, uh, at least in a couple of the, the interviews that I've heard, and, um, that you there are more adventures that you would like to try. What are some of the things that you would like to, hmm. you know, once it's a little bit more responsible and safe to do all the the things again? One of the things I haven't done that I do want to do is I want to go skydiving. Um, and... Totally recommend it. Okay. There's nothing like hearing birds underneath your feet. Okay, that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's something that I, I want to do. Um, I mean, travel in general right now, right. like really looking at other other places that I can go to um, really. And now that the kids are getting older, really making sure like, obviously we've taken them all over the world with us, mm -hmm. but now they're at a point where they can truly enjoy it as well. So figuring out right. challenges that we can do together. Um, and again, I'm 48, so I'm, 
you know. Oh, that's I'm I'm only eight years younger. <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. No, it doesn't. It doesn't mean anything. So, but the stuff that I want to do, I want to do it sooner than later. Um, right. You know, and yeah, I mean, I haven't Have, sat down uh, in a while and thought about exactly the challenges I want to do, but I know when they come my way, I'm going to say yes, basically. So. Have you ever been surfing? I tried it a couple of times. I was not good at it. And not that that matters. I right. just couldn't Sometimes get Sometimes it helps to have the right uh, person showing you how to get it, get started. Yeah. Um, we were in California. We were in uh, San Diego last oh, year. Oh, that's actually where I live, oh, okay. as a matter of fact. Yeah. And um, so Ari, the one who just had an ACL repair, mm-hmm. he was yep. he was really good. Like right away, he was really good. And I was like... How is this possible? <laughs> but he did. Well, if he's he, already a naturally athletic, yeah. I mean, it's part of it that helps, you know. Yeah. And, you know, I think where I struggled with the surfing piece, too, is with my knee. Like, I can't do mm-hmm. that jump up piece, you know. <laughs> there there are other ways to, to, to do that and enjoy surfing. And honestly, it doesn't even matter if you're standing as far as, I mean, you can belly ride and enjoy yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, that can be a, I have a, you know, surprise, not surprising, I guess. Um, being part of the the U.S. Adaptive Surf team, but I, I have friends in the adaptive surf community. I got a, a friend of mine. He he was actually one of our earlier guests. Um, he has one remaining arm um, from a you know injury he had when he was serving in Afghanistan, and he still goes out there and he tears it up. He's wow. he's out there and on these big old waves that would be overhead high for me. I'm six feet tall, and he's. Yeah. You know, yeah, he has a little bit of assistance. Somebody will kind of help push him into the wave because he can only paddle so much with the one arm, but he mm-hmm. uses it for all it's worth. And once he's on the wave, that's all him. Nobody else is doing anything. And so, you know, even though even though you might have some issues with your knee, you know, it's it's really just a matter of adapting. Yeah. You can do, I mean, you, and even still, like, you know, if you're thinking about, oh, maybe I'd like to, to try jujitsu or something, you can you can do that. And just modify your training around your injury. I mean, there's so many different ways of things anymore that there are people that are doing incredible things that you would think wouldn't even be possible. Um, so uh, definitely, yeah. if you ever want to give surfing a shot again, I'll, I'll uh, you come make your way back out here. I'll, I'll put you in connect. Maybe if, you, if, if trying it a second time interests you at all. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I would. Again, I think like what you said is exactly, you know, the right attitude is that why am I limiting myself? You know, I... You know, if I if I'm put in the situation where I can figure out how to do it that works for me, then mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. I mean, definitely something that I would love to say. Hey, guess what I did today? <laughs> hey, I'll even teach you how to do it with your eyes closed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I heard you're pretty amazing at it. So there we I, go. I do all right. I do yeah, all right. Thank you yeah, for that. Yeah. Good. Um. Actually, with with that that kind of it's funny because you say that I still found myself that you because you talk a little bit. Um, about that whole imposter syndrome thing mm-hmm. a little bit, not necessarily with those specific words, but it seems like that's been a theme in the last handful of uh, interviews that we've done on the show. Um, and one of the things that that helped me, and I'm, I'm curious if you've ever played with this because you seem to be pretty self-assured at this point in your journey, um, where somebody will compliment me on something that I know I could do a lot better. And... I've taken, and I don't always do a perfect job of it, but when somebody compliments me on something, I do my best to just say thank you. So whether I, I believe yeah, it or not, <laughs> yeah, I, I have learned to say thank you um, because I, I can be too hard on myself, right? Mm-hmm. So um, you know, someone will say, "Oh, that was great." And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, 
well, not the best I've done, but thank you. So, and I take away, <laughs> I take away the beginning part because, mm-hmm. you know, they're going out of their way to say something to me right. that, you know, and thank you. Like, I really, I, I appreciate that. Um, but it is, it is sometimes, you know, and I still like, no matter where you are in your life, you know, there are these struggles that still come forward and that you have to work on all of the time, just because all of a sudden I say like, okay, I've got this, you know, I got this today, maybe tomorrow I'm going to struggle with this. And that's okay. Like just moving forward and kind of saying to myself, like, you know, okay, you didn't think you did so great on that one yesterday and learn from it move forward, move on, and always say thank you because people are going out of their way to kind of, you know, give you feedback and make you feel good. Um, and they're taking the time. So that's that's really important. Yeah, it's funny. As, as we're recording, I'm, I'm, I'm focusing on everything you're saying, and I don't know if it's coming through. We have, I, I live in a townhouse. We have thin-ish walls and parts, and I can totally hear my neighbor's music. I don't know if that's coming through. No, but. I can't hear anything. I can't hear anything. <laughs> See, this is how this is how you know we're we're in it for the love of the game. Yeah. Um, but uh, in that that powerful thing for you, I think at least for, certainly for me in terms of saying thank you, um, it allows me to own what was good about what they thanked me for. Right. You because know, like there's it, always something good, right? It's not. Yeah. yeah. It's, I, I think, again, we're, there's so many piece parts where we're so hard on ourselves and looking back, there's always something good that's happening in that moment. Maybe not everything's great, but there's mm-hmm. always something good. And so when someone says that, like, it's important to, yeah, thank you. Yeah. And I, I think that, you know, it's, it's too easy to dismiss. And so, you know, it, it, it it's interesting too, um, sometimes where our, our own worst critic at it too, like, where we think we're not any good, but somebody who's actually been doing the thing for longer will compliment us or give us a, you know, maybe it's a promotion at work or, or whatever it is. And um, I, I mentioned this story to, to somebody else, and, and I think it fits, is, I, you know, I've been doing martial arts for a while, and I, I felt really discouraged after I received my first black belt promotion. And I talked to, to my instructor, and I was like, well, I don't know that I'm... He, he said, stop for a second who's the one who gave you the rank or who, who's the one who rewarded you? Well, like, you know, who's the student, who's the master? Well, you are. And who's the one who decided that you were worthy of that rank? Well, you did. And so, you know, trust the person who ostensibly should know better that recognizes. And, and <laughs> so sometimes when, you know, you have somebody who is more experienced at a thing and they compliment you and you try to, there's that impulse to compare yourself to their competency. I'm, you know, here I am at, you know, just my very first first degree black belt talking to a guy who had been doing martial arts since he was six and he's had, you know, master's ranks in like three different martial arts. I'm like, yeah, you know, I think he might know more about martial arts than I do. So maybe I won't be so hard on myself, at least for this moment. Yeah. I was just reading a, um, an article the other day about the difference between mental toughness and being hard on ourselves and that mm. like there's studies that show um, – and again, I'm I'm not giving numbers because, you know, I don't remember the exact details, but sure. studies that show that um, if you're le- being too hard on yourself actually leads to procrastination, whereas mental toughness leads to success because mental toughness means you're oh. willing to look at your, um, your failures, your mistakes, mm-hmm. learn from them and move forward. But when you're so tough on yourself that you can't take that next step, you procrastinate until you can't get anything done. Um, so I thought that was really interesting um, point of view because sometimes I, yeah. I, you know, it's hard to, it's 
it's it's interesting to see like, okay, which one am I? And um, I definitely feel like I have the mental toughness and I'm willing to fail at things and then move forward and, you know, learn from my mistakes. But sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's yeah. hard to say the thank you piece, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and I, I have, uh, I've been fortunate enough to know like some, some, uh, professional fighters, you know, people on the, the world, le- world championship level. And their common refrain is, um, obviously, do they like losing? Of course not. <laughs> you know? Right. Um, I, I, I had a friend who was on the show. Um, she's now the, the, um, glory kickboxing world champ in her oh. division, but she lost her title. And then she lost again, her two, two matches back to back. And before she came back and got it and, that sucked for her. She was really kind of unhappy for a couple of days, but then she kind of bounced back. And you know what? I there's only two things she does: learn and win. You know, and so yeah. whether you're speaking directly about competition and you're just talking about life, you learn and you win. Well, then that's it's a little bit easier to swallow that way. Yeah, and and uh, we have to and and we do we have to forget. You know, we have to be able to to really look at it and say that it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to fail because that's how we learn. I mean, it really. Mm-hmm. It really is. I mean, there's no such thing as perfection. So uh, you kind of kind of throw that out the window. <laughs> do, do you have a personal example from your own where you sort of failed up, if you will? I probably have or, lots or, of examples. Well, any that come to mind. I, I, uh, where failure kind of really kind of, it was a challenge and then you kind of bounce back or whatever, something like that. Yeah. I mean, even, even this um, uh, book writing journey or speaking journey, um, mm-hmm. You know, I've applied for things and gotten rejected and, um, you know, and I could have taken it to, you know, really said, oh, see, I'm not, I'm not worthy of this. I can't, I can't do this, but it only makes me, you know, work harder on the next speech and the next pitch. And, and so I think, and I think it makes me stronger, right? Like looking back and saying, yeah, you didn't get accepted, you know, for that. It's not because, you know, you're bad at what you're doing. It's that they, you weren't what they were looking for in that moment and now figure out how to, you know, adjust what you were saying to make the next pitch even better. So, um, that, that seems to be working right now. <laughs> yeah, I, I was, I'm, I'm, I, one of my, my, uh, most favorite books on writing, regardless of, of genre. I don't know if you ever read Stephen King's on writing. Um, I recommend it even if you're not a horror fan at all. Um, and, uh, one of the things he he talks about when he was first started, um, hopefully I'm remembering this and not attributing it to him when it's somebody else. But <laughs> um, but as I remember it, you know, he used to you know send out short stories and things to to get published in various magazines, and he got rejection letter after rejection letter, and he used to tack them onto this nail that he had in his wall and his his in the room where he did his writing, mm-hmm. and eventually got so big. That he had, he basically got out a railroad spike, put that on the wall, and started attaching all of the rejection letters. And he would just look at that, and and for him, the stack of rejection uh, notices that he got motivated him to write more. Now, I I would say that's mental toughness, um, yeah. you know, because when you have the word, you know, artists, anytime you create anything, whether it's it's a a memoir or whether it's you know, my case when I do stand up or, or anything like that, you have that moment where you're like, I'm 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 an artist and I want I want response for what I created, but I can't be too sensitive when people don't like it, and it's, it's a really weird di- uh, dichotomy. Yeah, I, it is, and I, actually, that's a really that's a really great story, and and I will definitely look at that book because I have not read it, but you know, really, um, you know, realizing that 
you know, that it is okay. These things are okay. Like that failure is part of, part of this, you know, process and, you know, it's part of the process of life. And if you gave up every time that you didn't, it didn't go the way you thought it was going to go, then you wouldn't move forward at all. Agreed. Um, I, I, I know that you have limited time, but I, I would like to, if you don't mind, um, you've done a lot of um, work to help um, uh, Jewish people in the diaspora specifically. You've done some work with kind of connecting, um, you know, uh, the Jewish people to Israel and having the connection to be able to even maybe go. I don't, maybe you can unpack some of the work that you do there. I would really appreciate hearing about that. Yeah, sure. So I do, um, I, I'm very involved in the Jewish Federation. Um, I, in 2018, I was the uh, chair of national young leadership for the Jewish Federations of North America, which is like their premier leadership program. And, And for me, that was such a great experience because um, really being able to be part, I was part of the organization for six years, but being able to lead it there, it's like 350 young leaders from all over North America and kind of doing the leadership training piece. But also one of the things we do each year is we take, uh, we take missions, uh, around the world. And so I've been to places like India, um, Azerbaijan, Turkey, uh, Ethiopia um, and and really Morocco and kind of seeing the Jewish world in in different places and I think it's really important to kind of see you know really see the globe see you know, sure. you know what's happening around the world and really kind of um, helping wherever we can and what what I what I love about the Jewish Federation is that it's really you know, focusing on tikkun olam, which is repairing the world. And it's not just repairing the Jewish world, it's repairing the world and understanding that we have an obligation as humans to help other humans. Um, So I've been really involved in that, actually. Um, So I grew up Jewish. Um, My husband did not grow up Jewish. And I'll tell one story if that's okay. Um, Yeah, Uh, tell us whatever stories you care care to. There's no, you don't have to edit yourself at all. We're good. We, um... We went on a trip in 2011. Um, it was a, a a trip to Israel, and my husband wasn't Jewish, and he was hesitant to go on this trip because he wasn't Jewish. And he's like, "Everybody else is going to be Jewish," and I said, "And <laughs> who cares? Like, we're going to go. We're, our friends was are." Was it sort of the concern, you know, maybe because he, you know, especially if you met more traditional or orthodox people, that you kind of wouldn't fit in, kind of situation, or. I, I think he came from a place of feeling like he was going to be judged. And again, I think that so much of our lives, we kind of feel like that, whether we're talking I about religion or, sure. yeah. And I was like, people are not even going to ask you. Okay, let's let's just they'll move. Ass- they'll probably just assume that he's Jewish. Right. You know, I was like, it's not even going to be a discussion. Like, our friends are leading the trip. Let's go. And reluctantly, he said, okay. Fine, let's go. Um, but honestly, he had the both of us had such an amazing experience on this trip. Met people we would have never met in any other realm. Um, you know, saw you know programs that the federation supports. Um, you know, throughout Israel, and you know, it was the first time that my husband really felt like he was part of a community. You know, the 
everybody was so nice. Um, and it's really cool. We, yeah, we sat down at the end of the the trip to kind of discuss like our favorite parts, the most impactful parts for mm-hmm. us. And he told his whole story about how he's not Jewish and how he, um, you know, it's the first time that he felt like he was part of something. And he really fell in love with this community. And he said, when he when we get home, um, he wants to start his conversion process. So, wow. So after 20 years of marriage, uh, and again, it was never a discussion between us because right. it was like, be you, right? Like, if this is who you are, be you. And um, and so he did. We got home and he worked with the rabbi for a year. And he actually converted right before oldest daughter's bat mitzvah. So he actually oh, became... that's really cool. Yeah, he became a bar mitzvah at, his, at, at, at her bat mitzvah. He became a bar mitzvah at yeah. uh, her bat mitzvah. So it was really really emotional wow. experience yeah so that, that's um, that's beautiful that you have that and more i mean it sounds like it wasn't an issue prior but that the more cohesion within the culture of your family yes. has got to be pretty neat we're a unified front <laughs> and you know what what's <laughs> sorry really... i just watched i just watched the life of brian recently so all i can think of is the jewish people's republic front people's front of Judea, all that <laughs> Well, I I, I, th- I think of it more as that in terms of like, okay, on holidays, like he knows the shit as well now. Like he's right, got right. it, right? Like he's had <laughs> he to study He doesn't have to ask you, when's Hanukkah again? <laughs> yeah. yeah, what's what what holiday are we coming up on? I was like, you know more than me now, man. Like you have, yeah. you work so hard for this that like, you know, he'll say something. I'm like, yeah, I don't know what that means. And <laughs> he'll say to me, I was like, oh, I guess I should know what that means. F- um, full disclosure, I'm, I'm not Jewish, but I have some Jewish family and, and many friends. So if I give the impression, I don't want to get uh, indicate that I'm, I'm part of the chosen people, so to speak. <laughs> but I have a lot of appreciation for, for Jewish tradition. Yeah. So. You know what? I, I have a lot of appreciation for every religion. I think that like that's such an important piece as well as that to, you know, respect people for exactly who they are for, um, you don't have to agree with everything that, that people have to say, but, but you should always respect them. So, um, I think we struggle a lot with that in this world right now, but, um, I think it's really, uh, always a reminder. And it's something that I always say to my, my children, like if, if they have a situation where someone is being unkind and, uh, you know, my response is always that you still have to be, you still have to be respectful and you have to take a step yep. back and say, there's probably something happening in their lives that is affecting them in a negative way and they don't know how to deal with it. So be kind, you know, take a step back and, and, you know, don't get upset about it. And, and if, and that seems to have, to have served us, of us quite well. That's that's wow. That's really cool. I'm I'm just kind of blown away at the powerful nature of the of your your husband's conversion story because a lot of times, it, you know, it's anytime somebody makes a, a that much of a shift, it's it's cool when it's led into by something so positive. Yeah, he. You know, I think for me, it was such a cool piece because. You know, someone said, oh, did Simone make you do it? He's like, okay, does Simone make me do anything? No. Right. Did I make Simone do anything? No. I mean, like, <laughs> people are like, you're going to let her climb Kilimanjaro? He's like, have you, you mean, met her? Have you met what her? You- <laughs> like, am I going to let her? <laughs> so, like, the same kind of thing where, you know, people are, you know, like, um, you know, is she making you convert? He's like, no, this is, like, completely yeah. something I want to do. And it's really... You know, it was really, it's the historical traditions. It's that, you know, those are the things to him that were so important. And, um, you know, it's been, it's been a really cool experience and kind of seeing him, you know, 
see things differently as well through through what he's learned has been pretty incredible. Um, and I guess thinking it's, uh, I don't know, trying to transition a little bit, but you've done some some work specifically uh, with the, um, the Jewish Federation. I don't know if it's with them or with another group, but helping with um, COVID relief to the Jewish community near where you live. Yeah, I mean, that's more of a... I was working on a, um, you know, one of our committees kind of helping with making decisions, raising funds. Um, and, you know, it's it's so hard right now because I want to say it's, things are always, you know, there's always struggles. But I think when we, um, you drive around and you see the lines for, you know, the, the food banks at the different churches and, right. you know, you, it really kind of, brings it to the forefront in that it's not just, not just, it's not just, you know, the virus, it's all of the other parts that are being impacted um, sure. by it. So, you know, yeah. People can't go to work or they're, they got laid off because they are mental health or whatever. Yeah. And I think mental health right now is such a, you know, a big piece as well. I mean, I look at my, um, my college kids and think that, you know, college was hard enough, you know, when, oh, you know, for you, sure. yeah, but, but to actually come into a situation where you don't get those same kind of human connections because everything, even if you are at school, so my kids mm -hmm. that are at school, all of their classes are still virtual. So fortunately they have, um, we made the decision, you know, jointly to say like, they're going to, uh, they want to be on campus because mm -hmm. they, they don't want to miss those pieces. And, sure. you know, I, I felt that was really, we, my, both of us, my husband and I both felt that it was really important for them to. For a stage of life, yeah. rites of passage kind of thing. Yeah. Bit. I mean, you know, obviously when COVID first started, we thought, okay, you know, I, nobody knew what to expect, right? Well, I, like, I mean, my, my last <laughs> surf contest, you know, that, that, um, I've done a couple of video submission contests, but the last in-person contest, the last day of it was March 14th. Yeah. And it was in San Diego. Yeah. And we had no idea. I mean, everybody was, um, you know, because surfers like to party a little bit after mm -hmm. things are over. And <laughs> we, we all kind of knew the world was going to blow up, sort of, but we kind of pretended not to know. And so, mm -hmm. you know, everybody was hugging and kissing and, and, and sharing drinks and stuff. And, you know, I remember being at a campfire, people pa passing around a, a bottle and people were taking swigs. Nobody paid attention to any of that stuff. But yep. we're like, you know, because we're like, oh, it's probably an issue, but all of us are healthy. We're surfers. We're, we're fine. And then, you know, it was literally later that week that they shut down Los Angeles, you know, so. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> you don't know. It's, yeah, I mean, I mean, really looking back, we were actually in San Diego in February and of oh, last wow. year. Yeah. And, um, you know, it was when, you know, we were watching some stuff on the news and we were thinking, okay, so Olivia, who you know, is immunosuppressed. So she, we were having her wear right. a mask on every- Right, you needed to every, be more careful. Yeah, right. so she was wearing a mask on every plane ride. And, um, but obviously at that point, we had no idea what what was, you know, what was coming and, you know, how, how changed our world would be. And, you know, it's looking at things now, it's like, and I mean, you can see how, how, you know, mental health is, is such, you know, it's even- if you were struggling before or not, now it's yeah. you don't oh, have it, that it, human connection. I mean, you it, don't. It it absolutely impacts. I mean, I've been pretty vocal. I mean, for the most part, I'm. Um, you know, I 
in 2017, I was diagnosed with PTSD and major depression from some childhood stuff that I went through. And I generally speaking, maintain pretty well with good nutrition, physical exercise. That's why I do comedy. That's why I do all the things that I do. Um, but you know, the, the pandemic made that much harder. And then I ended up having like a stack of a couple minor health things where I had hernia surgery and all these oh, things wow. where I couldn't, I couldn't actually exercise mm -hmm. and I couldn't see all my, most of my friends. And, and so there's this weird dynamic. It, it was a struggle. And so you're, you're absolutely right that if somebody has issues to begin with and you stack pandemic on top of it, it's, I mean, I, I have a very supportive and understanding wife and I, I made it through because of her and some really close friends and stuff. But tell you it's it wasn't easy <laughs> yeah i mean what what would be really nice and and what i've loved about this you know the podcasting space is really getting to meet people you know that i wouldn't have met in any mm -hmm. other way sharing these conversations because it is it's the human connection that we have yep. right now right and i have learned so much and really you know, if, if everybody could be doing stuff like this, you know, like we're reaching out and having these kinds of conversations where you learn something new about somebody else. And at the same time, you learn something new about yourself. Um, yep. I think, you know, that would be, that would be amazing. Um, so did I miss, uh, where can I find your podcast? Oh, I haven't started it yet, but we, Oh, oh did I you am? say yet? Did yeah, you say yet? yet? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, cause, yep, cause yep. I was, cause I was, I was <laughs> hearing how well you handled yourself in the interviews that I heard. And there is, literally zero reason other than logistics that you don't have a podcast. Yeah, it's it's logistics, but I'm actually um a couple of friends and I are are working on it. So, uh hopefully within the next couple of months it will be it will be ready to go and so you know you'll put out an announcement on your website yes, or somewhere. Yes, okay. I will. And you know, again, it's not, you know, a lot of the advice I had and and I think this is great advice. It's like mm -hmm. start it ugly. It doesn't it doesn't have to yeah. be pretty. Just start it. You get like, a couple of things in place, you know, I mean, but I'm I'm uh, I'm a big believer in owning your own content when you mm -hmm. can. But if you absolutely have to, just do it on Anchor. It's not a, you know, no, I, I, the only downside to that is that they own the content then. So that's something to look at the implications of how you distribute it. But it doesn't have to be fancy. Yeah. And, you know, I think, again, it's just these conversations. And I think, you know, now more than ever, these are so important because it really does kind of put us together when we can't actually be together. 100%. Um, Simone, this like has absolutely been way more than I expected. Even like I figured, oh, we'll talk about the the mountain stuff. And then I did more research and, and, and just the conversation has just been super cool as far as the little twists and turns and stuff. Is there anything that we didn't actually touch on that you want to make sure we um, expand on it? Any, because uh, I know you're doing some fundraising efforts and some things all the time. So I think that pretty much covers it. I mean, I could talk for like 16 more hours, but, um, <laughs> you know. Well, I mean, it's, you know, just because you're a guest once doesn't mean you can't be a guest a second time to come back and talk about your podcast. Yeah, or that or, would be know, a so. lot of fun, actually. Once yeah. that gets going, I'll definitely uh, send you a message and say, hey, want to hear what I'm doing? <laughs> yeah, gladly. gladly. I, I actually would definitely want to check it out when you yeah, get it rolling. Yeah, thank you. Thank so, you. But um, thank you so much for coming on. Um, what's... Uh, what are the places and the and the the things to remember if somebody wants to learn more by your book, et cetera? So you can check out uh, my website, simonecanego.com. I am the only Simone Canego in the world. Even if you spell it wrong, I think you'll find me. <laughs> uh, but it's K-N-E-G-O. Um, I'm author Simone Canego on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. 
And one thing I really want to say is that if you have something to say, reach out to me. Like, I love these kinds of conversations. If someone wants to talk to me, shoot me an email. Let's have a conversation because I think, again, my my thing is when I talk about my life, if I can impact one person, then I feel that I've done my job. So if you, ha- if you want to talk to me, just reach out. I would love to have a conversation. Beautiful. Um, I, I think that's a great way to end it. For everyone listening, adventure is a state of mind. How you live it is up to you. Yeah.